look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, Faisal. Good to join you for another show here. Going to be a good one. Yeah, it's going to be a short one, but we're going to have some. Yep. F- we're going to have some good information. I think what we need to uh, re- remember that people's lives change over time through their retirement, and one of the key things that we're going to talk about today is um, we're going to give you some tips about dealing with tricky estate planning situations. We're going to talk about you know when things change from what you thought was going to happen to actually what does happen in your life. Uh, we'll talk about medical issues and so forth. How does things change, and how you should and, plan your estate for that? And, and not just and not just that they're fact, they're they're changing. Uh, quickly that that they can change in an irrevocable way right Correct. that there are uh, events that can happen in your life that means you're now locked into something yeah you right? cannot change your estate documents and in certain cases and so we'll we'll talk about that and then um, and then of course we, we've got to talk a little bit about uh, the water cooler talk and the markets and what's going on and then there was an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal that we want to cover right yeah how much do you spend in retirement That's you crazy. might be very surprised at the answer shocking shocking yeah. shocking shocking okay so let's talk about um, markets uh, First, let's start there. Can I can I start off with um, we we know the trade conversation is going to happen. It's not only NAFTA; it's yeah, also China. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to bring in volatility. Job numbers in Canada lower than expected. Did our em- employment unemployment rate go up? Yeah, well, it went up by a tick. Yeah. Okay. Um, the jobs numbers are squarely in Canada always. You never can quite tell. I mean, the expectation was for five thousand. We get a negative fifty-one thousand. It's crazy. Ontario got decimated, losing 80,000 part-time jobs. Dollar got weaker, but offset a little bit by some conversation by the Bank of Canada. I was a bit surprised on Thursday. Deputy Governor Wilkins comes out after the rate announcement and says, hey, irrespective of what happens in trade, we may still be in a position where we have to raise interest rates. They may not have a choice. That's correct. And I think central bankers around the world are realizing they may not have a choice because if the recession comes, one of the first things that monetary or policy or central bankers do is cut interest rates. If you're at all-time lows, what can you cut? Go negative? Yeah. That's the risk, right? Well, and trade tariffs are a problem, too. Say NAFTA doesn't get pushed through, right? I mean, that could have some effects on growth and income and wages and those kinds of things, and that's all negative. But on the other side of it, it could, those tariffs could raise prices, and now we've got an inflation problem, and the Bank of Canada and central banks have a dual mandate, inflation, price stability being one of them. Yeah, I'm challenging that tariffs equal higher prices for consumers because in a market where price sensitivity is still there, the, the Profit margin goes down for the company, not the consumer paying more. They're talking about autos being four, five, six thousand dollars more in the event that we have a, a tariff on our autos. I don't know if retailers, car companies, can sell for five or six thousand dollars more right. to to recuperate that cost, and the and the consumer will pay it. Right. I think there's a there's a bit of a mixture of the two, and I think most likely the the company will either do what I call shrinkflation, give less and still charge the same. Mm. Or they're going to cut out products. Yeah. So well, none of that happens, and none of that can necessarily happen. To you don't cut products quickly. It, the fact of the matter is, there's going to be a very delicate balance. Correct. And I don't think it's going to go two. to the consumer. I do not believe that the consumer is going to say, "Yeah, I'll just pay an extra twenty percent more on my vehicle," um, especially those big ticket items, like you know, small things like, you know, uh, let's talk about you know um, some of the things that come across the, the border, like. Um, 
vegetables, fruits. Well, uh, there's big durable goods items, right? Yeah, big durable goods it, are the yeah. ones that we have to worry about. Small yeah. things that can, are pennies to the dollar. Right. People won't realize that that five, ten, twenty percent increase, but they'll they'll see it on the big ticket items. That's where the price sensitivity is. is yeah, is but big. it does hit discretionary spending. It, it has a lot of implications. We're gonna, now the other thing I want to go to U.S. jobs for a minute here because the headline number was a slight beat, ten thousand better than expected, but on uh, for the quarter. So if I look at the three months in total, it was actually a negative because there were some revisions down. So the headline number doesn't tell the full story in the United States. We're yep. watching very closely. Wage inflation in the United States went from 2.7 on an annualized basis up to 2.9. So we're seeing an acceleration in wage inflation. We got the opposite in Canada. There was some base baseline effects that affected uh, that number in Canada, but it is accelerating, right? This is one of the areas, and we saw, you know, we saw stock markets trade on that early on Friday, concerned that this is going to potentially affect the pace uh, of the Fed's interest rate uh, policy, so affecting the equity markets here. I think that number probably all but locks in uh, another rate increase at the end of September for the Fed. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Can I talk about that Wall Street Journal article yeah, that came let's out? let's get to it. I know so you're I interested. read that, and it, it just I, – I wasn't surprised, but I, I liked the way they wrote it so that the average person who reads it might get shocked. And I'll tell you what the uh, the Coles Notes version of this no, – no, Start with the headline. Start, okay. start with the headline. So the headline it's of catchy. this is how much money will you really spend in retirement – Probably a lot more than you think. That's the what? headline. And so what they did is they took a, a group of individuals and couples, put them into a, what they called a retirement lab, and started asking them a whole bunch of questions. The people they put in this lab were from all different uh, walks of life, all different economic situations. It wasn't a certain category or individual. Now, before, uh, you, before you give away the, the outcome here, okay, let's talk about the... We talk about rules of thumb all the time and yeah. how they're not necessarily very accurate. Talk about the rule of thumb here when people are doing retirement plans. Our industry has done such a great job at telling people how much money they'll need in retirement. Right. Not asking them, telling them. Right. Because of some sort of research that they did on some sort of uh, analysis that says, hey, this is what it should be done. Yeah. And our industry has said that you will need 70% of your income. And in fact, there are still some softwares out there, some online calculators that will automatically put that 70% number in there for right. you just because that's what you're going to get. Right. So reality hasn't hit. It's all assumptions. Okay. Okay? Rule of thumb. And we know what assumption really means. <laughs> Anyways, um, when they went through this lab and they went through the questionnaires, they went through a self-assessment and so forth, and they said, how much money do you think you need? First question. Yeah. Everybody said 70 to 80%. Yeah. I'm not working anymore. My costs are going to go down. When they did the analysis, yeah. when they actually went through what their spending needs or what they're going to be doing with their time, their lifestyle, it came out to being 130% <laughs> on average right. of their income. Right. What just happened there? Right. You plan for 70% right. of your income, and now it's 130%. Where this article didn't go into extensive viewpoint is that, keep in mind, first of all, it's American, so there is a whole health bucket out-of-pocket expenses right. that these individuals pay that we may not necessarily pay using universal health care program here in Canada. But the, the big part was their lifestyle. Right. And one key point that came out that, I've, that you and I have been talking about time and time again, you and I spend less money sitting in our offices than we do if we weren't sitting in our offices and if we were retired. Yep. And most people say that's not true. You don't have to wear your... I wear expensive suits. I don't know what you wear. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with my shorts? <laughs> you know, so we are clothing, coffee breaks, lunches, and stuff like that. So you'll you'll have less spending. Not true. Right. Not true. Because when you're not in the office, you're swinging a golf club. Yeah. And I think that round of golf is way more expensive than what you spend in lunch and yep. you, you drink tea. So tea in this office, <laughs> and it's free. So you don't even pay anything here either. Wow, you, gotta, you should just keep on working. It's cheaper for you, my friend. 
but the cost for a, uh, for you, Dave, when you retire is going to be higher than what you're spending right now. Well, and, and it's, it's not even just as simple as that, right? What Add to that the conversations that we often have when we're going through a lifestyle plan with clients. When they're young and healthy, every time we hear, um, we're young and we're healthy and we want to front end. We want to spend money now while we can because I don't know what the future holds. This week was a great week for me because I, I had the... the the privilege to meet four different brand new individuals and couples that came to me for, for a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And all four, when I asked, how much money do you need uh, in your retirement, looked at me as if I asked them the most weirdest question in the world. <laughs> That's right. They didn't know. Right. And so I actually had to go back and say, how much money were you making? How much money were you saving? The difference between the two is really what you're spending. Uh-huh. And it was shocking to them to not know that number right. of how much they're spending right now. The second part of it is, what do you want to do with your time? Well, I want to travel here, travel there. Have you been traveling three or four times a year? Well, no, because I work. I don't get that much vacation time. Oh, so now your travel costs just went up. Right. Their expenses are going to be higher than what what they were spending when they were were working. Right. Sticker shock. Right. These are the things that people need to analyze, have a proper conversation, understand where those those spots are coming from. And I think this Wall Street Journal um, article was just a key point to individuals that says, hey, you don't take assumptions and run with it. Don't right. take that rule of thumb and right. run with it. I've seen too many people build their own models with so many flaws in it that it can derail their entire retirement. So right. again, come to a retirement transition specialist to help you with it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good advice. Okay, now, on that particular topic, we are going to be talking about retirement transition and all of the facets and elements, how to take a lifestyle plan, attach it to a financial plan and do the proper financial analysis, and then how to build out those four buckets, right? The income that you need to support it, the growth you need, how to protect against health and and, right quality of life. And ultimately, if you want to transfer assets to the next generation, how to do that effectively at our next coming or upcoming seminar. In order to bulletproof your retirement, asset dedication is the solution. We'll walk you through that process on Tuesday, September 18th, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Life changes, my friend, uh, and it changes sometimes in ways that we don't anticipate and sometimes in ways that create permanent changes. Um, and it's very important that we continually review uh, the lifestyle, the things that could go wrong, and how uh, ultimately we want that gift to be given. We're going to share an example of, of how that can change fundamentally somebody's life after the break. Join us for that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And... Um, We've had some interesting um, cases recently uh, dealing with estate and like changes, health changes as people get older. Yeah. I'm going to let you sort of give a bit of background about one case in particular. Uh, we won't name any names to protect the innocent, but it, it is a case that we see, uh, you know, is quite common and, and how do we deal with it. So yeah. run with this. Give us a bit of background first. Yeah. So, so Dave, what, what happened last week, um, one of our clients sat down with me and I meet with them uh, regularly I'd say yeah. you know uh, uh, and we kind of go through what's going on in their lives and their family and so forth and he I'll, I'll paint the case for you or the situation that happened um, we've had these clients now for over 10 years um, about four years ago um, the the wife uh, had a stroke and um, it was a tough time for her she hasn't recovered in fact she's been deteriorating over the past four years mm-hmm. um, the husband has been taking over the whole financial management, which he was never doing in the past. Mm-hmm. So this has been a big learning curve for him. 
prior to the stroke, they had their wills set up based upon our conversations yep. and what they wanted. They met with a lawyer. They got it all drawn up. And I'll kind of walk you through what the will said. Okay. Um, in the event one of them pass away, all the assets goes to the surviving spouse. Okay. Common. Yep. You see that all the time. Yep. What was interesting is these two individuals do not have any children, but they have siblings and nieces and nephews and so on and so forth. And so what happened was the wife said that if my husband predeceases me, mm-hmm. I want my sh- my money to then go to four beneficiaries, nieces and nephews and, mm-hmm. a, and a sister. And the husband said, yeah, good idea. I'll pick nieces and nephews and my brother. So the, the secondary beneficiary, think of it that way. So if, it's, if both spouses have passed away, mm-hmm. who does that money go to? Yeah. The surviving spouse's um, money goes to the secondary beneficiary, which are four people. Each of those wills were four different people. So think of it as you yep. and your wife yep. and your, your, your uh, brother, beneficiaries your are beneficiaries different. are different than, yep. than her beneficiaries are. Now, um, let's fast forward four years. Um, the, the wife's, after she had her stroke and she's been deteriorating, is no longer has the capacity right. to, to handle her own affairs. Right. So power of attorney has been invoked. And in this situation now, she can't change her, her documents, her will, her power. She doesn't have the capacity to do so, but the husband does. Mm-hmm. And so the question now goes, well, if I, I mean, the husband passes away before my wife does, mm-hmm. all this money is going to go to her. She's not in the capacity to take care of herself. So the, the secondary executor will have to take care of that. But now the money that I thought was going to go to my beneficiaries after her are not going to get it. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? Right. And that's where I sat down with uh, and, and chatted with Catherine Zhang, who is a reoccurring guest on our show. Catherine yeah. is an estate lawyer, uh, an associate at Walsh LLP. And we had a good conversation about this case. And I think this is a good case to bring to the public to kind of have a, a learning outcome because we talk about set up your wills. Right. We talk about make sure you write down your beneficiaries and you have this conversation. But what if you've done that and what you thought was a good plan all of a sudden changes because of circumstances. Yes, yeah, right. So, Catherine, first I want to bring you back on the show. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Okay, so we had this conversation earlier this week about uh, about the, the case. Um, first of all, give us your thoughts about how I painted the picture. Did I miss anything, or is there anything you'd like to add? No, I, I mean, I think it, um, it coincides with what we talked about earlier this week. Um, I think the really unfortunate part of the situation is um, now that the information has come to light that this is no longer perhaps what the couple wants to do with their estate plan, um, it's unfortunate because um, the wife is in a position um, based on the POA being invoked um, that she can't change her testamentary documents. Uh, And so the question really is, well, um, what can the husband now do um, to get his affairs in order and to try and still affect his wishes while not defeating the intentions of his wife and not defeating or taking away assets that rightfully belong to her. Mm-hmm. And I know we had a discussion about that. Okay. So let's let's talk about some of the ideas that we chatted about that could be potential solutions. There's still a lot more conversation that our client needs to go through. There has to be a whole bunch of advice. There has to be a whole bunch of research done. So this is just our preliminary conversation. I think this is a good point to start telling everybody this is not a recommendation. This is not a solution. This is just a point to start thinking about on the next steps. 
Mm-hmm. I think the first key was absolutely speaking with his advisors, so his financial advisors and his legal advisors, just to talk about realistically um, for the duration of his and his wife's lifetime, um, what um, what are the objectives of uh, the estate plan now? And I think you and I both came to an agreement that one of the essential parts is going to be making sure that the wife is taken care of during her lifetime. Yeah, let me and just so, jump in there right there. Really yeah. slow, sorry, Catherine, but Dave, this is where the, the key thing comes into play is because the wife is incapacitated, right. had a stroke, cannot take care of herself, mm-hmm. needs care given to her going in the future. Yep. The primary objective that both spouses want, even before this unfortunate situation happened, was to make sure each of the two are okay Correct. and mm-hmm. so are taken care of. And so this is where... It's not just putting it on a piece of paper. It's the analysis prior to putting it on the paper that's required. Catherine gave us some great in- insight on that, that we need to sit down with this client and we'd have to bring in other professionals to sit down and actually go through a financial analysis of what are the needs of, of the wife in order to make sure she's taken care yeah, of. Yeah, in the event he's not around, yes. Because it's very, you know this as well as I do, yep. it's very expensive yep. for care, especially if the person who was doing it was doing it free of charge because he loves her right. and wasn't charging her. Now you've got to outsource those services to somebody else. We've got to recalculate what the real need is for this individual. Correct. Sorry, mm-hmm. Catherine, go ahead. Keep on going. Yeah, no, and in addition to those needs, you're talking about um, per- perhaps healthcare professionals or staying at a specified home and other medical bills. So um, it's important to have an idea of what that all looks like and to understand how that fits into the financial picture, whether or not there's going to be sufficient funds to do that or whether or not there's going to be more than enough funds. And then, you know, uh, then the husband can start thinking about, well, if the, if the way the wills um, are written now, do not now reflect what my intentions are. How do I do some estate planning to make sure my current wishes are reflected? And so we talked about um, in the event that um, he had separate, quote unquote, secondary beneficiaries in mind, um, that perhaps uh, a solution such as a, a lifetime gift uh, would be possible because then he's not defeating the intention of both of their wills. He's just doing his own estate planning. Uh, um, or changing his own documents. Um, and the key to that being, and you and I uh, talked about this at length, Faisal, is making sure that um, knowing that he was uh, acting as attorney for his wife, that he was not um, disposing of assets that would otherwise be considered hers or that she would be entitled to. And it's difficult to calculate sometimes because they're joint on everything. And so how do you um, disentangle what what might be yours and what might be, you have acquired um, solely versus through um, a joint account. That's a difficult analysis, and that's where it, it really requires um, your client to sit down and, and have a think about that with um, perhaps you or other professionals. So let me just recap there. There was, there was two mm-hmm. options. One is to gift that some money to mm-hmm. your beneficiaries that you've already selected while you're alive. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a lifetime gift. The mm-hmm. second one is redo your documents to fit the, over, the the change in circumstance now. And I think that's one of the things that our client said was, I don't want to give this money in advance. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that my wife is taken care of first. Right. So the intention of, of what, what Catherine is saying is what the intention is of, of our client. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of now, how do we put that in? And so I think this is the next step. So I, the, a learning outcome on this, Dave, is that things are going to change in your life. And what you thought was going to happen in your estate documents like a will, 
may not be the same as it's going to happen in the future. So you'll have to be nimble enough to change it. And there's a key point in time called incapacity where that's it. It's right. a, it's a lock-in date. Yep. You can't change it. And so understand that you should review these estate documents regularly is very important. Catherine, we have about 40 seconds or so left. What couple of tips can you recommend or give advice to our listeners about thinking about these things that could happen in the future? Because nobody thinks about this kind of a case that's going to happen to them uh, until it's there. Okay, so two things. Uh, One, check your documents regularly. Make sure you're reviewing them on a year-to-year basis so that um, if things do start changing, you've still got the opportunity uh, to make those changes in advance of um, an event like this where you lose capacity. Um, If you're checking everything every year, then your documents are going to be relatively up-to-date. The second thing is if you are in a situation where you're like your clients, um, you've got two different wishes on what you want to do with your um, gift over assets, Um, what you've got to ask yourself is, do you have any assets that you own alone um, that are not joint with anyone else that you can direct those assets to go to those different beneficiaries? Because those are the only assets that you're going to be able to control um, the gift over to in that type of situation. Catherine, we we want to thank you again for your time today. Mm-hmm. No problem. It was a pleasure. We've been joined by Catherine Zhang, as an estate lawyer and associate at Walsh LLP and a recurring guest um, uh, with us here at uh, More Than Money. Now, we've got a, a seminar coming up, my friend, that we should remind everybody about. That's right. On Tuesday, September 18th, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seat. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. And don't forget that you can access any of our past segments at morethanmoneyradio.com. Or you can actually have them directly delivered to you every single week. All you have to do is search up More Than Money CHQR on iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on uh, 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada.